Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 51, I think. I'm your host, Riley. This week, recapping the Olympics. It was awesome. Um, I don't really remember too much about the 2016 Olympics. I know, obviously, it was, what, Rosie, Henrik, and Kucher with the medal winners. Didn't really watch a bunch of it. Back in 2016, I didn't really catch a bunch of the Olympics, but this year was phenomenal. Um, it would just, it came down to the stretch. Rory Sabatini, obviously coming out of a nowhere with the Sunday 61 Xander, finally getting his first bona fide win of his golf career. We've talked about that a lot over the past couple of weeks about Xander, not having that, just that monumental win. Like Xander is here. This one meant a lot to him. It meant a lot to his family and him to win the gold medal for the United States for him, for his dad was awesome. Rory was in the mix. There was just a bunch of guys at the top, Colin Morikawa, Paul Casey. They were all just right there. The tournament was awesome. We're going to recap that. We're going to talk about a couple of those guys, talk about Rory and his week and his new putter and everything coming up here in a second. Then we're going to go over kind of the Olympic experience. It was awesome. It felt like different. It wasn't a major championship. It wasn't obviously just a regular tour stop. It had a different feel around it, but could it be better? Of course it can. It could always get better. We're going to talk about something that could they change it up. We have a question from Instagram, but the Olympics altogether was really, really good. So can't wait to talk about that. We're going to preview the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, the longest name of a fucking PGA Tour event, maybe the entire schedule, but we're going to be previewing that. 48 of the top 50 players in the world are in Memphis this week. Cannot wait to get to that. Um, it. It's usually a pretty good tournament. It yields a lot of good winners. JT last year, Brooks in 2019 were the two winners at TPC Southwind. And then I think the past, what, the other three winners, I think it was DJ the year before Brooks, but that was at Firestone. And I think, what, Daniel Berger won back-to-back or something like that. But cannot wait to talk about that. I love Roy McIlroy. little preview of later. I love Roy McIlroy this week. I know if you listen to the show every week, you know that I pick Rory every time, but... I actually really like Rory this week to win that championship, but we'll get to that later in the show. First headlines, Annika wins the U.S. Senior Women's Open. Phenomenal. She had like their kids in the fairway coming down 18. She just recently turned 50, so she was finally able to enter a senior event. She comes out and just wins the Women's Open. So that is awesome. It was really cool to watch. And then show-wise, Twilight Nine-wise, myself-wise, we have a pretty cool announcement coming uh, in the next week or so, and it's going to be just a gigantic step for this show, pretty big step for myself. We have some pretty cool news. Uh, I don't want to talk about it yet, but everything should be finalized here in the next week or so, and then we will be taking a pretty huge step for the show, hopefully some pretty awesome stuff coming, but that news 
comes again. Maybe next week on the show, it might be the week after that I tell you guys everything that's coming for the show, but look for some pretty damn big news in the next like week or two. It's going to be fucking awesome. But let's jump into the Olympics. Xander Shoffley wins gold for the U.S., Took the lead after the second round. He shot 63. That included two eagles, one on a par five or par four, rather. His round on Saturday was a slow one. I don't know if you guys stayed up to watch it. I'm sure some of you diehards definitely did. But I mean, when the round of golf doesn't start till 6:30 and it doesn't end till like two or three o'clock in the morning, it's kind of tough to stay up for the whole thing. But I did every day. Uh, it sucked, but long days. But we got after it. His Round on Saturday, watched the whole thing. He just was struggling with his full swing. He had to make a bunch of pars from really long range on the front nine, kind of just to keep his round together. I think he hit like a 35-footer per par. He had like a 20-footer per par. Like he was just putting it together and kind of just hanging in there and just really struggling with his full swing. He was His pre-shot routine was a lot longer than it usually is. He was working on his posture, his grip, seemingly kind of everything, but he did enough he made the turn at one under, which is incredible to say because he really was struggling with that long, um, his full swing. And then the back was much smoother. He played a lot better, ended up shooting two under on the back. So three under total to move to 14 after three days. And yeah, if you were watching him play that golf round, you would think he shot like two over or three over, but, to put in a three under on your card after that round on Saturday was really, really awesome. And then he opened up on Sunday and kind of just put his dick on the table to completely honest. He comes out birdies one birdies two. And as soon as he did that, somebody was going to have to do something phenomenal to go and catch him. And someone almost did, but he just looked really locked in focused and absolutely ready to go. And a final round four under ended up being enough to get it done. And like I said at the top of the show, this was his first, I don't want to say real win of his career because he did win the tour championship. He's won a WGC, but like we talked about on the show last week, I mean, the tour championships, 30 people, the WGC one is the least popular one. That field is not as good as some of these other ones. Like the one this week at TPC Southwind, not as good as the one that was at concession. Like this win is the first one. It's not a major, right? It's not winning a major championship. It's not a, It's not equal to winning a major championship. I don't even know if it's equal to winning like a players or like one of the major, not, not major, but you know what I mean? One of the bigger PGA Tour events of the calendar year. But winning a gold medal is pretty damn cool. And it is awesome that he finally got that. And a lot of people are going to argue, well, there was only 60 players in the field and only like 20 of them, 20 of them actually had a shot to win. So much pressure goes around the Olympics, and everybody was saying that after, that this is his first bona fide win of his career. He even said that. He said he was finally able to close. He had a win. He went out and did exactly what he had to do, close out the golf tournament pretty much for his first time in his career, and he admitted to that. Huge weight off of his shoulders. And I think this is one of the wins that comes in your career that kind of opens the floodgates, right? I would not be surprised if we see Xander kind of get the monkey off his back in the next year or two and have a couple major championship wins. He's been there at Augusta this year. Obviously, everybody remembers 16. The U.S. Open, he finishes inside the top 10 every single time he plays in the U.S. Open. I would not be surprised if this is the victory that opens those floodgates and all of a sudden we see Xander go out on Sunday and close it out, come from behind, and win major championships over the next couple of years. Did it for his dad. And I don't know if you guys know the story. 
about his dad. He's his coach now. But almost 40 years ago, I think, his name, his dad's name is Stefan. He was actually preparing to represent Germany in the Olympics in track and field. He, was, uh, he ran the decathlon. And on his way to Olympic practice, actually, nearly 40 years ago, he got hit by a drunk driver. A uh, shard of glass went into his left eye. He's still blind in that left eye and kind of killed all those goals and aspirations for him to getting to the Olympics and representing Germany. Now, 40 years later, he's coaching his son. They get to the Olympics and he wins gold. And you could hear it in Xander's voice and in conversations he had with his dad after this one meant a lot, not only to him, not only to the country, but a lot to his dad and his family. Like this one was life-changing for them. Not only Xander, it was life-changing for his dad. It's incredible, incredible storyline for those two. I've been a fan of Xander for a while. I remember him winning the tour championship. It was pretty fucking cool. And for him to have all the struggles of closing out just this year, right? You go back to Phoenix, struggled to close it out. Him and Spieth were both not really playing that well on Sunday. Brooks ends up coming from behind. The Masters, he's getting contention. He gets, you know, within very reachable distance on 16 and then just puts it all away in the water. He struggled to close out golf tournaments. But this one, first huge win. And it was awesome being a Xander fan to watch that. We've bet on Xander a lot over the last couple of years, especially over the last like year that we've been doing this show. Xander's been on the card a lot. For him to finally get this huge win, fantastic for Xander. And I think a major, major win's coming next. He's going to be one of the favorites going to Augusta. He might be one of my picks at Augusta. I think a major is very much in the near future for Xander Shoffley. The guy that almost came up and <laughs> destroyed all those dreams is Rory Sabatini, the wrong Rory. Came out of absolute nowhere. He was two under through two rounds, shot one under on Saturday, and he was at seven under. Xander was at 14. You don't think that guy's going to come all the way back and push him for a title. He goes out and shoots 61, 10 under. It was unbelievable to watch. He was in complete control. He was making everything. He was stuffing everything. He posted, really put pressure on Xander to play well down the stretch because who knows if Xander kind of lets his foot off the gas a little bit. Like if he isn't there and there's no one within a couple shots of him and he can kind of just coast to the finish line, Sabatini made it that Xander had to go get it. Gets the silver medal. Incredible for Sabatini. And then the bronze went to C.D. Pan. He won after a seven-player playoff, which included Paul Casey, Colin Morikawa, Matsuyama, Rory. He was the smallest name in that playoff, and he ends up winning it. Took four holes. The last one was actually just him and Colin. After Rory bowed out on the third playoff hole, he would make par on the four on the par four 18th, and that was enough to get it done. He opened the week with a 74. He was very, very close to the bottom of the leaderboard. And then he posts 66, 66, 63. And that is exactly how you have to bounce back after an opening round 74, especially on that golf course. That golf course was giving up a lot of birdies. And that's what exactly what he needed. He went off after that opening round. So he gets the bronze medal. So congratulations, CT Pan. Uh, I saw the payouts. I don't remember the exact number, but I think that he won five times as much money for that bronze medal as Xander did for gold because uh, the country determines payouts. It's not the Olympics that terms payouts. It's the country that you win it for. So he won a fuck ton of money. So congratulations to CT Pan. My guy, Roy McIlroy. Um, he had he had a week. He was he was kind of in the mix from the very beginning. Uh, 
we talked about it last week on the show, but coming into the Olympics, he wasn't that excited about it for obvious reasons with Ireland, Northern Ireland. There's so much controversy and back and forth between everybody over there for a while that it's hard to have that patriotic feeling that a lot of Americans do, like Justin Thomas did going into the Olympics, where he's like, no, I'm doing this for my country, blah, blah, blah. Rory was not on that. It's tough to feel patriotic when you come from a situation like that. And he didn't feel like that. But by the time it was over, pretty much by the time like Thursday's round was over, he was, this is a different feeling. And he's already looking forward to Paris in a few years. And so like, it's crazy what playing, and we saw that from a bunch of players, which we're about to get to in a couple minutes, but the effect that this had on a lot of players over there was insane. And especially Rory, because he even admitted, like he made some comments at the beginning of the week that I just went over that were just turned out to be, he didn't know enough about the experience. And now that he's had it, he can't wait to get back again. And I'm sure that he will be right. Ireland. I mean, who's it? What is Graham McDowell going to beat him out? So he's going to be there in a couple of years. I can't wait to watch him again. He loved it. He's never worked so hard for a third place finish. He said he was grinding out there, which was awesome to see. This meant a lot to him and it sucks because it came down to a legitimate inch that he had. <laughs> he was an inch away from winning bronze. It sucks. Um, especially, I mean, for him, but me watching it, it was awful. Ended up losing a playoff, whatever. Before the tournament started, pictures were surfacing of him in practice rounds. And obviously, I'm not staying up that late during practice rounds. So I woke up, I think it was what, Tuesday morning? I woke up and a picture surfaced of him using a Scotty Cameron putter, which I didn't know that he had a 13 club deal with TaylorMade. I thought it was full bag. Obviously, Tiger has a 13 because he's got the Scotty as a putter. I didn't know that Rory had that same deal because he's been rocking a TaylorMade putter ever since he signed with them. But this putter was put in his locker at the 2016 PGA Championship, I believe. And he brought it back out. And I may—I was thinking maybe when the picture first came out that he was just testing it, seeing how he feels. And then Roars was engraved on the face. And I was like, oh, this is like a bona fide change coming up here. And he was asked about it a bunch. He said that it brings back definitely old vibes of using a Scotty at the you know 2011 US Open back in the day when he was winning tournaments by 100. He was using Scotty Cameron putters. He used them all his life when, if you guys are just getting the PGA Tour, whatever, he was a Titleist player back in the day. He's been a Scotty user for a while and then obviously turned away from it when Nike made clubs and then when he signed with TaylorMade. But he said that this putter brings back younger vibes for him. He also mentioned that the putter allows him to feel a little bit more athletic on the greens, meaning he can kind of just point and hit. He's not worrying about speed as much as aim as much as like as putting form as much the fundamentals of putting. He's not really worried about that. He puts a putter blade behind the golf ball and he's able to just putt. And that's when you're putting at his best. I think he was nothing crazy. He was middle of the pack and strokes team putting after the first round. I didn't, I was, I wasn't able to grab what he was for the full tournament, but watching all four of his rounds, the putting looked pretty good for the week. He missed some opportunities for sure. Everybody does, but he made some nice long putts. He made good par putts, good bogey saves when he needed to. The putter looked pretty good. Um, so I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see. I haven't seen any pictures. I don't even know if he's there yet. He might be there now when you guys listen to this on Tuesday, but I don't know if he's in Memphis yet for uh, at Southwind. I don't know if that putter is going to stay in the bag. I think it should. 
if you have all those good vibes about a putter and you're coming off an Olympic performance where you putt pretty well, I wouldn't be surprised if it stays in the bag. Um, I think he's going to win again this year. I don't know if it's going to be one of the playoff events. Uh, I don't know his history that well at Liberty National. I don't know if he's played well there before. Uh, I do know that he loves fucking Eastlake. So that'll have to be there. But I actually do feel really good about Rory going into this week at TPC Southwind. He's had a top five here back in 2019. He loves this event. He obviously kills Firestone. I think he's second all time at the WGC FedEx. That's between um, Southwind and Firestone. He's only behind Brooks, I believe. I just really like him this week. So we'll see where that happens. But Rory had a good week at the Olympics in Tokyo. So hopefully he'll have another one this week. Olympic wise. To get into a little bit discussion just about the Olympics and the format and all of that. We had a question from Scott on Instagram and he asked if players really care about the Olympics. And I think before the week, the answer would have been something different than it is now. I think now, fuck yeah, they do. We heard it from we heard it from everybody. We heard it from JT. He called this one of, if not the best golf experience of his life. Rory now can't wait for Paris because he had such a good time. And that's coming from a guy who said that he wasn't really looking forward to it, but it was a good thing to do to grow the game. Now he can't wait to get to Paris. And then Paul Casey said this, the golfers that passed on it, I've got no words for them. All I would say is that I think representing your country is the greatest thing you can do. That is incredible to hear. And it was from Everybody. We heard it from Colin. We heard it from JT. Patrick Reed is obviously very, very outspoken about representing the United States. We heard it from everybody. We heard it from a lot of different countries that this is a different feeling when you go to the Olympics. So it's tough to hear that like a guy like Brooks Kepka passed on the opportunity to represent the United States after Bryson uh, wasn't able to make the trip, right? It sucks to heal all that. What I think is going to happen is I would not be surprised if we see like nobody pull out the next time around in Paris. I think after word gets around, after the guys get back, after they travel around with the boys on tour again and hear all the stories about the Olympics and what it feels like to represent your country and the different vibe that tournament gets, it wouldn't be it would not surprise me in the least that that field in Paris in a few years is absolutely stacked. I think this year made Olympic golf pretty damn cool and I think everybody is going to want to take advantage of that opportunity if they're able to get it because it only comes around every four years you need to play well to earn your ranking to earn your points to get into the Olympics like you need to bust your balls and if you're able to have that opportunity I don't know why you wouldn't want to go but on the other hand could it be better I think of course it could I think the format could change for sure I think a format could format change could make it a lot better could we see match play i brought that up on uh or i saw that brought up on twitter a lot over over the weekend could you go to match play to make it more of like a dell technologies match play situation where you go brackets instead sure could you make it a team event where you see both right because we see that in a lot of sports where individuals can compete for gold silver and bronze but then you put points together and you do team right ireland would have killed this week the united states had a lot of guys up there could you make it both? I 100% think so. I saw a couple, I saw a guy an hour ago bring up the idea of having the women and men compete together and like match them up 
like Justin Thomas and Lexi Thompson would be a team, right? I just think there's so much you can do with this golf tournament and such an opportunity to make it a really cool event and a standout event every four years that you could easily change the format and make it very, very cool. Was stroke play awesome? Yeah, it was good. But I think you could make a change and make it fantastic and make it a little bit more like your country is important, right? I Obviously, Xander winning gold is great for the United States. But having like Colin Morikawa and JT take on Paul Casey and Tommy Fleetwood, that would be pretty damn cool instead of individual. Again, like I said, you could do both. But I think a team-oriented part of this would be fucking awesome. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if a change comes at the next one. I'm sure that's going to be talked about a lot between everybody, but I think a format change could make this, make the Olympics stand out over everything. If you make the, like stroke play, that's, they play stroke play every week, right? Individual stroke play. Even if you do team stroke play, a cumulative score, anything, I think it would make it a lot cooler. Golf course wise. Uh, I, I heard it on the broadcast a lot. Yeah, I'm sure you did too. If you watched it all week, it's one of the best courses in Japan. Um, it, to me, it wasn't, uh, like layout wise, it wasn't crazy impressive. Uh, the par fives were really long, which I think are cool. Some of a couple of them were bonafide three shotters. You had some short par fours in there, which I love. I love a good drivable par four. One of them was drivable for everybody. One of them was like three forty. So the distance guys had a little bit of an advantage on those. The par threes were long ish. Uh, I just thought the the normal par fours weren't that great. Uh, like the opening hole, obviously, is probably just a handshake, but didn't love the opening hole. Uh, if I remember correctly, the second hole is like a little bit on the shorter side. Uh, I think Rory had a flip wedge into that hole a couple times. So I don't know. The golf course, the golf course was okay. The conditioning was incredible. Like watching those guys putt on Thursday and Friday was almost laughable. Everything was going in 30 footers, 40 footers. Every time they showed somebody on TV from 30 feet, it was going in the hole. I think member play was cut off very early summer. So those greens were perfect. The fairways were perfect. So the conditioning was incredible. I just, I wasn't the biggest fan of the layout. Obviously your hands tied to there. You can't like just choose any golf course. You need one of the best in the country. And that is who knows. I don't know what golf course. I don't know if it's been announced. I don't know what golf course they're playing in Paris, but I don't know. I thought the golf course was okay, but overall I thought the Olympics was awesome. It was, it was really good to see the guys really put their, their country on the, on the shirt and go represent their country. Uh, some of the, some of the outfits, I mean, Cam Smith, holy shit. Oh, I man looked, I don't even know what he looked like. He had AUS buzzed into his head, rocking a mullet with a visor, that stash. He looked he looked incredible with the in Australia's uniforms, the green and the yellow, looking like Packers. Uh Tommy Fleetwood was rocking like a headband and a visor, which was pretty cool. Um I thought the US uniforms looked great all week. Ireland did not change once. I think they wore the same outfit every single day, which I thought was pretty funny. But overall the Olympics was fantastic. Um, betting wise, we had a plus week, which was good. Uh, we hit, or well, I'll just go over them actually. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes, we had for a top 20 at plus 125. He came, uh, he placed 50th. He sucked. Paul Casey, top five for plus 230 on DraftKings. Um, or actually, was that, was that DraftKings? Yeah, it must have been. Uh, yeah, because FanDuel, I don't think, had position plays. Paul Casey, plus 230. 
Uh, he t- uh, finished tied for fourth. He was in the playoff for bronze, so we cashed that one. Roy McIlroy, we had up for a top five at plus 230. Also, he also finished in a T-fourth with Paul Casey in the playoff, so we hit that. We had JT for a top five. He ended up in a tie for 22nd. He was one under through his first two rounds. He just needed to be better than that. He closed with a 65, so that's why he was up inside the top 25, but he didn't have a great week. Again, the putter was ice cold. I mean, when you play your first round with 18 pars, your putter's ice cold. Corey Connors, we had for a top 10. This one hurt for plus 200. That would have been an awesome hit. He came in 13th, but he was only one shot outside of the top 10. So that one hurts a little bit. And then we had Patrick Reed for a top 10 at plus 120. He ended actually tied with Justin Thomas at 22nd. I think jet lag kind of really took over there. He wasn't as sharp as I thought he would be. So we hit only two out of six bets, but we were plus 460 on winners. 400 of that covers losses, so we were up 0.6 units for the week. So we'll take that. We'll take any week in the green. So we'll look to keep that going. I actually think that's a couple winning weeks in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Let me go on Twilight 9 and see. Because um, I know we had a good week at the... I don't know what just happened there. I think we had a good week... At the 3M Open, I believe. I don't even remember. That was so long ago. Yeah, we had a huge week at the 3M, actually, now that I remember it correctly. Because Hank Leobo came out, so we grabbed that, which was good. So, yeah, I think we're actually we're on a little bit of a winning streak, which is nice. We'll take that. But, yeah, but let's get into uh, FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Pump, pumped about this week. Another limited field. We're going to talk about it later, but uh, Justin Thomas loves these kind of events. He's going to be one of our guys to watch later in the show. But third WGC event of 2021, uh, Billy Horschel won the match play back in, I believe, what is that, March? I believe, actually, they might have moved it. It might have even been later. And then uh, Colin Morikawa won the WGC at concession. So this is the third of 2021 like I said at the top of the show, going to be one of the best fields of the year. 48 of the top 50 players in the world will tee it up on Thursday. The biggest name missing, John Rahm, after testing positive for COVID-19 and missing the Olympics, he is going to miss this one too. Justin Thomas is your defending champion, looking to win for the second straight year. It'll be interesting to see how the travel affects these guys. Obviously, all the players coming back from Tokyo, a lot of them are in this field. JT, Colin Morikawa, Rory, Paul Casey, Shane Lowry, Layler. Tommy Fleetwood, there are a bunch of them. It's going to be very interesting to see how that flight affects these guys. I get they're the professionals. They travel every week of the year. They're used to it. I'm sure a lot of them are not flying coach, um, but we'll see how it affects everybody. He hasn't had a finish inside the top 10 since his win at the players. So Justin Thomas is looking for a good start. He needs it desperately. Brooks Kepka who, again, I mentioned it quickly earlier, but he actually turned down the opportunity to play for the Olympics for the U.S., has found some form. His last five starts, T2, miscut, T4, T5, T6. He enters the week as the betting favorite at plus 1,200. He won this golf tournament back in 2019 and was one of the runner-ups to Mr. Justin Thomas last season. So you could say his finishes at this golf tournament at this golf course are pretty damn good, which I guess makes sense that he is your betting favorite entering the week. The golf course, TPC Southwind is a par 70, 7,233 yards, Zoysia fairways and Bermuda greens. If you guys are unfamiliar with those type of fairways, it's pretty much if you have the ball in the fairway, it's borderline teed up for you. They are perfect. They're dense. They're fantastic. And then Bermuda greens, a little bit of grain this week, putting a little bit more difficult, but certain guys roll it on Bermuda. Example, Kevin Kisner. We're not going to talk about him, but he might end up on the card. 
Who knows? Uh, he's not one of the guys that I have to watch, but who knows what happens. Weather. It looked beautiful all week. Tuesday, 87 and sunny, 3% chance of rain, blowing 11. Wednesday, mostly sunny, 86, 5% chance of rain, blowing 10. Thursday, first day of tournament play is 88, partly cloudy, 5% chance of rain, blowing 5. Friday is 92, partly cloudy, 8% chance of rain, blowing 6. Saturday is 94, mostly sunny, 16% chance of rain, and blowing 10. And Sunday is 94, partly cloudy, 11% chance of rain, and blowing 12. So it's going to be hot as shit. Um, not wet at all. The golf course should be playing pretty dry and it might blow pretty consistently over the weekend, but that's pretty much all we're going to be looking at. Key stats, stroke saying T to green, your T to green play is going to be huge at this golf course. It is essential. Six of the top eight players last year in stroke saying T to green finished inside the top six on Sunday. Eventual champion, Justin Thomas, led the field in strokes and tee to green for the week and actually won the thing while losing strokes with his putter. That kind of emphasizes the tee to green play. In 2019, six of the top eight players in strokes and tee to green for the week finished inside the top 10 on the leaderboard. While the two champions at uh, TPC Southwind can move it, Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka, it's not needed. We've had Webb Simpson has a top five here. Matthew Fitzpatrick has a top five at this golf course. Tommy Fleetwood has a top five at this golf course. Mark Leishman has a top five at this golf course. Driving distance isn't needed around this place. What those, all those players that I did just mention do very well. They strike the fuck out of the golf ball. Their approach play is really well. They're mostly good off the tee. Webb's great. Fitz is good. Uh, Fleetwood can be a little iffy. Again, emphasis. T to green is just gigantic this week. Data golf information, course fit. Number one is Sea Island Golf Club. Number two is La Quintarea Golf Club. I did not pronounce that right. Number three is TPC Four Seasons. I know nothing about any of those three golf courses, just a heads up. Trending of the players in the field, number one is actually Mr. Jordan Spieth. His last three starts, T18, T19, and second. Number two is Colin Morikawa, T4, T71, and a win. Scotty Scheffler is T47, T12, and T8, and he's number three. Those finishes do not include the Olympics which I guess the only one that played in the Olympics out of those three is Colin Morikawa. Percent chance to win, baseline, course fit, course history, all that good stuff. Number one is Colin Morikawa at 6.4%. Xander Shoffley is at 5.8%. And Jordan Spieth is at 5.2%. Betting odds. I already said it. Brooks Kepka is your betting favorite at plus 1,100. Colin Morikawa is at 12. Xander Shoffley is at 14. Spieth is at 16, JT's at 16, Roy McIlroy is at 18, DJ's at 2, Daniel Berger's at 22, so is Victor Hovland, so is Louis Oosthuizen, Bryson DeChambeau is all the way to 2,700, Patrick Cantlay is also there with him, so is Matsuyama, Paul Case is at 29, Scotty Scheffler, who we're going to get to in a second, is at 31, if you go down, Tony Finau is at 4, Abe Answers at 41. Willie Z is back on tour this week. He's at plus 4,500. We'll see how he is. Uh, he had the WD at the Open due to injury, so hopefully he's all set there. Fleetwood is at 5. Justin Rose is at 55, and so is Adam Scott. So after a plus 0.6 unit, not even a full unit, but we're going to take it. Any winning week is a good week. Any week we're in the green, um, we like that. So we're looking to keep that going, especially 3M Open. Had a big week. Uh, had a good week at the U.S. Open. Kind of stacking them up here a little bit. So we'll see. The first guy, I already mentioned him. Um, I've been bringing this guy up a lot over the last month or two on the show. I just think he's very close to getting his first win on tour, and that is Mr. Scotty Scheffler. He's coming off his third straight top 10 in a major and fourth top 10 
in his last six starts. Last year at this event, Scotty's, Scotty finished T15, but was fifth in the field in strokes gained T to green. His putter is what held him back. He lost 0.77 strokes on the greens. The putter actually has been decent of late, ranking 31st. 31st, holy shit, in strokes and putting over his last 24 rounds, according to Fantasy National. Over his last 24 rounds on Bermuda Greens, though, Scotty has been sick with the flat stick, ranking 6th in strokes and putting. He's plus 3,100 to win, so he's probably going to be a good candidate for a uh, top 20 or 10. I just don't know how position players are going to work quite yet, just because it is a limited field, so you're not going to get crazy good value for top 20s this week. That's just not going to happen. So at 3,100, we might have to put Scotty in the top 10 position, but I do really feel good about him, so he might actually go on the card in that spot. Another guy in fantastic form is Paul Casey, just played in the Olympics, top five at the Olympics. Before that, he had four finishes of T21 or better in his last five starts, and actually two of those are top tens. He hasn't really had much success at this golf course, though, over the last two seasons. His best finish is T27 back in 2019. I think he actually came pretty close to dead last <laughs> last year, but I like his current form over his course history. According to Fancy National, only one player in the world has been better than Paul Casey in strokes and T to green and strokes gained approach over his last 24 rounds. And that man is Mr. Colin Morikawa. He's a ball striking machine. So if you're going to lose to one guy in both of those categories, that's okay. So Paul Casey has been striping it of late. The only concern, again, I brought it up with Justin Thomas and all those guys, but the travel, I just don't know how that's going to affect them. That is a long plane ride. Again, the guys are professionals. They do it all the time, but you're talking like uh, uh, Orlando to like Carolina, like they're shorter. The trip to Japan, that is a fat day. That is a long day of travel, so I don't know how that's going to affect him. He's plus 2,900 to win, so another good target probably for a top 10 finish. Again, with a top 20 finish, you're probably not going to get that good value, but we might be able to get him a good value uh, for a top 10 finish, so who knows? I mentioned him. I mentioned him a couple times. It's Hoodie Mello, it's Untucked Kyrie, and it's Limited Field Justin Thomas. He loves these events. A bunch of his wins are WGC century tournament of champions whatever they called it before that i think he's won it before that he loves these small fields he adores these small fields so even with his recent struggles it's going to be hard to keep him off the card this week i think uh he's fifth in strokes and t to green over his last 24 rounds but during that same stretch he's 224th in strokes and putting i bring it up all the time with justin thomas he goes wherever his putter takes him if he's super hot if he's making everything like he did at sawgrass he wins if he's not he's not going to finish in the side of the top 20 top 30 it's just not going to happen he needs to make putts so he's going to need to turn around a lot i know he just put i don't want he didn't put a new putter in the bag but he did just change the neck on his putter who knows if he goes back to the other one? He's just got to get it going on the greens. But when he won this event last year, he also lost strokes with the putter. Could that have been his approach play was really, really good. So you have to lose strokes somewhere, maybe. But he's proved that he can win while his putter's not super, super hot. So who knows? On top of the win last year, he did finish T12 in 2019. So his course history, his tournament history in Memphis is fantastic. He plus 1,600 to win. So in a smaller field, we're probably going to maybe even have to go top five for Justin Thomas this week to get some good value. He might be right around even money for a top 10. Again, with his recent form, it's going to be tough to put him on the card. But again, like I just mentioned, smaller field. He loves it. So it's going to be hard not to put him on the card. So we're going to have to go back and forth tonight and tomorrow to see if he's going to go on the card. But 
you guys will see it when you listen to this show. The betting article obviously comes out Tuesday, so you'll have a little bit. Uh, we'll see if JT goes on there. I'm not sure yet. The other half of the Ireland team, Shane Lowry. He has two PGA Tour wins. One is a WGC. The other is the Open. He has proven a couple of times that he can compete with the best fields in the world, and he's in good form. He had a tough final day at the Olympics. I think he shot even par, but still finished inside the top 25, again, in the limited field, so take that with a grain of salt. Starting at the Masters in April, Shane has had five finishes of T21 or better in seven starts. I did not include his Olympic start. Four of those are actually T12 or better. He just finished T12 at the Open Championship a couple weeks ago. Last year at this event, he finished T6. He's 20th in strokes saying T to green over his last 24 rounds, but 187th in strokes saying putting, according to Fantasy National. The putter will have to be a little better. He definitely looked frustrated on the greens in Tokyo. He did not make as many putts as I thought. It looked more like a green reading thing. He looked, because uh, I saw a lot of his rounds, obviously, when he was playing with Rory. He looked a little frustrated on the greens. We'll see if he can turn that around. He obviously putted them well um, last year with a top 10 finish. We'll see how that happens. He's plus 4,100 to win. So we'll be able to get good value, I think, for him for a top 20. We should be able to get plus odds for him. I do like Shane Lowry. We bet on him um, a couple times over the last couple months, and we've actually won some money with Shane. So we'll see what comes down to it. And then the last guy we're going to highlight before I just go over maybe a quick couple guys is Rory. I always save him for last. If you guys listen to the show every week, I talk about Rory every time he's in the field. But I actually do really like Rory this week. He was literally, I mentioned it, an inch away from winning bronze at the Olympics. He looked a lot more comfortable on the greens with that new slash old Scotty. Bermuda is also his favorite putting surface. That's what they have this week. He has wins at the Arnold Palmer, Honda, et cetera, all those Florida wins. He was fifth in strokes in putting in 2019 at this event. He ended up finishing T4 that week. He didn't have his best stuff last year. I think he finished outside the top 40 last year. But again, he's close. At the Open, he made a bunch of birdies. I think he made 17 birdies, but that week he just made too many mistakes. At the Olympics, he just didn't make that many mistakes like that, like as many as he did at the Open Championship. He just made a bunch of bogeys at the Open, especially from pretty attackable distances. His iron play looks a lot better. It looks more dialed in. The long irons look fantastic. He's always been a really good long iron player, but his wedges are getting way better. Over his last 24 rounds, he's 14th in proximity from 100 to 125, and he's 16th from 125 to 150. Rory does not live in that zone, so his new coach is paying off, man. The wedges look a lot better. If he's going to be a lot comfortable on the greens at a golf course, he's finished in the top five before. He's plus 2,000 to win on DraftKings. I think I'm going to end up hammering that. I just think I think he's going to win again this season, and I think this is a great spot for him to do it. Again, a couple of the other picks. Daniel Berger's won this tournament a couple times, but not at this golf course. I don't even know if he has a good... Uh, does he have a good... I don't even see his name here in 2019 on the leaderboard. Finished in a tie for second, three back at JT last year. Um, Jordan Spieth had a T12 in 2019 at this golf course. So did Patrick Reed. So did Cameron Smith, who's been playing some pretty pretty solid golf. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen had a top 20. He also had a top 10 last year, so he's trending on this golf course and playing some pretty good golf. So it'll be interesting to see if Louis uh, carries everything over. I mentioned Kevin Kisner, uh, who loves this putting surface. He's always got to look at when you're putting on Bermuda. And then another guy that I actually like to kind of bounce back this week is actually our other guy, Max Homa. 
Um, he hasn't playing the best golf of late. Uh, he made the cut at the open, but didn't do anything like crazy. He's had some good starts. Obviously, he won the Genesis back in February. I'm bringing up his his uh, finish list now. So yeah, T40 at the Open, top 25 at the Rocket Mortgage, two missed cuts in a row at the U.S. Open and the Travelers, Memorial T6. So from the Wells Fargo to the Travelers, he missed four cuts and five starts. T6 was kind of mixed in there. He's just never shown signs in this year of extended bad play. He usually usually bounces back. I know he's been putting a a lot of work into his game. He posts on social media all the time of him at the range. I know, I think he's already on ground at TPC Southwind. I would like to see him bounce back. I think he's plus 10,000 a win. So if we can get plus value for Max Homer to get in the top 30, I think we're going to end up taking that. I don't know. I don't think he was in the field last year. If I remember correctly, looking at this, Oh, no, he was. He shot plus one T52. Was he in the field in 2019? Yeah, second to last. So <laughs> his uh, course history isn't great, but he's a much different player now. He's way better now. So this could be a good spot for our guy to bounce back. Who knows? But that's it for the show, guys. Um, follow us on Instagram at Twilight9Pod. My personal Instagram is at RileyHamill underscore. I believe it still is. Follow the Twitter. That's where the outright picks are going to be posted every week. And again, stay tuned. I don't know if it's going to be coming this week. I might wait until the show next week to announce the big news for Twilight 9. And for myself, it's going to be fucking sweet. But be on the lookout for that. But that is the show. So enjoy the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, blah, blah, blah. Enjoy the golf tournament this week. It's going to be awesome. Again, the field is loaded. Enjoy it. And I will talk to you guys next week. Peace.